Welcome to REI Spotlight, episode number three, and our guest tonight is Ellie Perlman, and we are fresh off the Best Ever Conference 2019, and how are you doing tonight, Ellie? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing wonderful. It is, uh, it's been an exhausting trip to Denver, but, uh, <laughs> you know, getting, getting back, getting over it and uh, getting ready to uh, keep going. Yeah, you know, I live in California, and for me to go to Denver and actually see the snow, um, I was in kind of a shock, I would say. Uh, even though I ski, uh, you know, it's I'm still in denial that there's actual winter anywhere um, outside of California. So it was good for me to kind of uh, understand, you know, how the rest of the U.S. is dealing with, with the cold and, and the winter. But it was a really, really good um in conference and I met a lot of new people and also um, friend, colleagues that became my friends because we run in the same circles and we meet the same people, um, some of the same people uh, in, in the same kind of conferences. Uh, so it was great seeing everyone. Oh yeah, it, it was definitely, uh, you know, I, I ran into, you know, local people that, you, you know, it was nice to build relationships on a national scale, but also make the relationships that I'm close to even stronger. So it, mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was my first conference like that. And it was, uh, awesome. I definitely suggest to anybody that, uh, you know, whether you're new or you've been doing it for 20 years, you know, especially, uh, Joe Fairless's best ever. That's one that is, uh, yeah, if you're going to go to one, I, I, my feeling is, is that's the one that you need to go to. But mm -hmm. it, it, if you have any event like that, where there's that kind of gala gathering, you just, I think it, it, you can't help but grow just by uh, just by going to something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. Um, so, what uh, what got you into real estate? Um, I think I was always in real estate ever since I can remember myself. Um, I'm originally from Israel, so I right after college I practiced law and I um, actually started. Um, as a real estate lawyer and kind of, you know, worked my way through there. And uh, from, from that point, um, I unfortunately experienced 2007 um, from the financing side as a lawyer, having to deal with uh, my, my investors who were actually my customers, um, having to deal with their own um, trials and tribulations when it comes to financing that dried out one day. So that's basically how I started in real estate. Um, and after a few years doing that, I decided that I wanted to be closer to the action and um, moved to property management and dealt with tenants and had that um, very pleasant experience of doing <laughs> that. Uh, and then realized that, you know, it's great. I understand how it works now, but I really want to focus on the next level and uh, learn more about business and uh, marketing and just how to do it bigger and better. Uh, so I moved to the States, um, went to MIT, got my MBA degree and um, kind of partnered with some startups and helped them raise money. And it shifted my entire view, I think, of of the world in general, but for sure on business. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then um, moved to California and uh, started investing. Uh, and uh, that's, um, that's basically, you know, my, uh, my short story. Um, on, on, on your investing, are you investing in California, outside of California? Uh, just a 
where are you where, where's your uh, where's your focus or, or where was your focus in the beginning and where's your focus now so the only piece of property that I own in California is actually um, my my house um, unfortunately I can't really buy anything here it doesn't really make sense because I'm, I'm a cash flow buyer and most deals don't really make sense for me at this stage. I, I, um, I get it. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, you know what, it's not about how much, how much you pay. I keep hearing, oh, California is so expensive. I, it doesn't really matter if you pay $200,000 per door or a million dollars per door. What matters is that how much this door generates for you. So if you pay even $50,000 per door, but it generates $2,000 a year, and if you pay a million dollars per door, which is actually, um, could be a reality here, then and if, and if this door actually you know, generates $400,000 a year, then there you go. I have no problem paying a million dollars per door. It's actually funny because I'm, sometimes I'm looking just to be, just uh, you know, to kind of, feel the pulse of my own markets here. Um, I like to look at what's happening here. And so there's a, a building 1942 across the street from me, um, rent controlled that was, um, I think it was a year ago, uh, was actually traded for $900,000 a door. So wow. those numbers are real. And trust me, they don't make $400,000 per income, you know, per, per door per year for income. So, um, yeah. So you asked me where I, I buy. I'm actually active in Texas, Florida, and Georgia. And these are my three markets. And I, I, you know, Georgia is, is a fairly new market, but Texas and, 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 uh, Florida were always, they always have been there. And I think for the most part, they're, they're going to stay um, my main markets and I keep revising my assumptions on what is the best markets to be in. Um, Definitely. But um, yeah, a market that has rent growth, population growth, job growth, and a very uh, landlord friendly um, uh, government or not government, right? But landlord friendly, um, uh, you know, kind of um, environment, yeah, then definitely. this is where I would be. Yeah, that's that's kind of why the, the the southeast is kind of you know those are the reasons that the southeast is kind of my markets too. You know that's that's why I'm in that middle Tennessee and northern Alabama section, and and and, and I see the stuff that you know I see the stuff in Georgia. It's just I'm a little uh, I'm I'm trying not to expand my focus that much. You know, just trying to stick with the uh, you know trying trying to stay stay laser focused for now, and as long as the markets I'm looking at keep producing the way that they are and you have cash flowing properties in them. I, I'm not trying to expand any further yet. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, you need to really know the markets that you're active in. You need to understand where are the bad pockets, the good areas, where, where are you in the path of progress? And when you spread too thin, you kind of lose that perspective. So, and also building relationships with brokers who brokers so you can actually get off market deals and and um be the first ones that they're dialed when they have a deal you can't really do that if you have 15 um you know states unless you're a very very huge operator with you know 500 employees then it's a different story well yeah then you have an employee to look on each market and then mm -hmm. they can be the ones building the relationships so yeah. you know uh, yeah the my team is me so uh and i still have a w2 job so it's uh no i don't have time for 
yet mm -hmm. for uh, for 15 markets <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what are you uh what are you currently working on what am I currently working on? Um, I'm working on an off-market deal in Jacksonville. Um, it was actually, it was presented to only three groups. It was completely off-market. And that's, you know, it's a mile from the beach. That's one of the deals that we're working on. And I can say any more than that because you have to comply with the SEC regulations. Yeah, I, I that's get all that I can say. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's in Jacksonville and uh it's an apartment. Um anything else and uh yeah, the the, the regulators start calling and so we're not doing that. Yeah, but um, it's it's uh that's what we're working on right now. Um we have some more deals in the pipeline and we always do, but we um we buy slower than other investors because we're pretty picky about the deals that we we're working on. Um and we're not really, we don't really need the fees to survive. So that gives us um, some breathing room. So we actually can go ahead and focus on the deals that, that are the best deals out there. And if it's just an okay deal, we just tend to pass because we really want to focus on great deals. Well, that's, I, I mean, that's my philosophy. I mean, I think that's how people, you, you know, I mean, in the last downturn, you know, multifamily did way better than single family homes. I mean, it, it, right. it weathered the storm so much better, but the people who did get hurt, it was usually the ones that were either buying on speculation or weren't buying for cash flow. So, you know, they didn't have, you know, they didn't stress test it. They tried to make it cash flow it like, you know, they had to have 98% occupancy for it to cash flow, you know? So, you know, that's, I mean, what you're doing is how you, uh, you know, that's how you're an operator and you're still pro processing and getting deals, period. I mean, I've mm -hmm. seen some people and I, you know, they're scared and they've completely backed out. And I'm like, well, you don't have to back out. You just have to be wise about what you're, what you're gone after and make sure you right. just got to stick to your numbers and make sure that your numbers are right. Your numbers are good and that you stress test the heck out of it so that, you, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, so you don't lose it. I mean, you know, you know, it, it's just trying to make sure that it, that the numbers are true and the numbers work. Yeah. And you know, part of it is speculative. I mean, we obviously, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. So, but part of an inherent part of a model is to actually, when we run the numbers and when anyone runs the numbers is to assume it and to speculate what would be, um, you know, the interest rate in seven, in five years, when we want to sell, what would be the, um, the, the cap rate, because you need to put a number in the exit cap as the exit cap rate, because that will determine how much, you know, what, what will be the price that you'll be able to sell the property. So there are all kinds of ways to, um, be conservative and actually, um, you know, make sure that you're making, assumptions that are pretty conservative and that's maybe because I used to be a lawyer but I'm, I'm pretty conservative so this is what we do we try to mitigate the risk and try to mitigate the speculative you know um, nature of the entire process so and there are many ways to, of doing that I mean one way is not to buy um, not, not to buy a property and, and place um, any debt that is not a um, a, a long-term um, you know, debt on it or to go with a bridge loan, which I know a lot of people 
a lot of people do today. And I know many, many people are not going to agree with me, but I personally, I don't like a bridge loan because it means that in two, three years, you'll have to return. It's a short-term loan for the most part. Some of them are longer than that. But then you need to know what would be the interest rate when you're going to take the permanent loan. And that's really hard to do. So what if we say 5.5%, it's going to be 6.5%. Then the returns are completely different. So there are ways to mitigate that risk. And we're really trying, uh, and I don't want to bore your listeners, but I can talk about numbers all day, but we're really trying to be disciplined and um, to be conservative. And that's why most deals just, just don't work. Well, I mean, in the market that we're in and, and you know, it's, it's kind of there's some uncertainty and there's some feelings out there. You know, it's no, that's it, it's it's what you I mean, that's the market we're in right now is you better right. be you better be paying very good attention to your numbers and stress testing and making sure that you're at least and maybe you're you know, you still could be wrong. I mean, we all could be wrong. You're right. You know, it, it, it all has its speculative uh, portions of it. Um, but, you, you know, at, at least at the end of the day going, hey, I stress tested it nine ways from Sunday. It's the best, you, you know, I stress tested it every, you know, every version, every way that I could just so, you know, you go, look, I've done a true due diligence here. I've pushed it in, you know, and, and it still says the numbers are good no matter how I push it. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's when you you get a deal that that, you know, you can push forward, you know, and I, and I think there's some people out there that are unwise and they're pushing unwise deals, you know, through. And it's like, you know, you know, I, I, I like your, your, your thought process of, uh, you know, just stress testing it. And if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't pass the muster, you know, it, it's gone, you know, on to the next one, you know, and, and, you know, don't, you know, in, in real estate, usually when you start pushing it, that's usually when you start losing money. Yep, absolutely. And right now the market is very forgiving, yeah. but it's not going to stay this long. It's, uh, I, I don't know, you know, nobody knows where the market is going and how um, severe the next shift is going to be. There will be a correction. My guess is, not, it's, is that it's not going to be that severe as in, as in 07, but when we look at deals, we have to assume worst case scenarios and, and see if the deal still works. And if the deal works, even when we're not optimistic, then this is, um, that means that it's a good, it's a good deal. And in my personal life, I'm a very optimistic person. Um, when it comes to looking at deals and managing other people's money, then I become very pessimistic when it comes to all the different scenarios of what could happen. Cause I really want to make sure that I'm doing a good job. I definitely, definitely understand that. I mean, you know, when it's one thing to be, uh, you know, happy go lucky with your money, you know, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if if you like playing, uh, you know, uh, real estate roulette, uh, you know, with your own money, you you know, go for it. You might, you you know, you might win, you might not, but you know, when you're, it's a whole different story. It's a whole different set of pressures and, and a whole different thing of, wait, this is, I didn't work hard for this money. Somebody else worked hard for this money. And, you know, it's like, look, uh, yeah, I, I honor other people's blood, sweat and tears way more than I do my own because I know I can go out and make more if I have to, but I don't want to make somebody else do it after they've already earned their money. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, you know, I play with my own money. I'm an angel investor as well. So that's kind of fun for me, but I don't expect to see anything. I actually assume that I'm going to lose it. 
Um, so it's a diff, a whole different mindset when it comes, you know, to that. Cause like you said, it's my money. If I lose it, I lose it. It's kind of part of the game, you know, um, when it comes to real estate, it's a totally different mindset. And, and, um, not only losing money could be the worst thing that would happen, but actually not providing the, the projected returns to, to the investors. That's something that, will keep me, um, you know, awake at night. Well, so far it's, it's been good. Um, so I'm, I'm sleeping just fine, but, uh, that would be, you know, losing money there would keep me awake at night versus, you know, investing in a startup that just, it just didn't work and, and we just lost our investment. So. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you, you know, like you said, you know, gone into a startup, if you're gambling, you're gambling, at least then, you know, you're doing it, you know, when, yeah. <laughs> when, you're, when you're taking somebody else's money, you know, to be part of a syndication, it's like, look, these, these people aren't gambling. That's not what their, that's not what their mindset is. It's like, look, they want the consistent and the, and the, the determinable returns, you know, it's like they, there's a reason they invest in this asset class and they're, they're expecting a certain level and, you know, they, those are the levels they expect. And, you know, if they've given you that money, you know, then you, you know, you feel like you owe it to them to, to take mm -hmm. care of their money better than your right. own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Um, what would you say out of the deals that you have done that you can talk about? Uh, what would you say is your, uh, your favorite one? Um, I would say actually the deal that I'm working on right now, um, it, one of the reasons for that is that it's, it's really in a great area and in the path of progress. And I can see how in my mind, I can see how the area is going to change also moving forward. Um, so that's the thing that, that for me makes it, um, that makes me very excited about it. And generally speaking, I think every, Every deal that when we buy, if we look, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, and I think, oh my God, this area is so great. I'm probably going to have a hard time selling it because just emotionally, I, I, I would not want to do it, but I'll have to. Um, I think for me, that's a good deal. Um, so yeah, that's definitely it. But um, can you just hold on for one second? Because my battery is actually about to die. So I want to make sure we're, we're, it's not going to, you know, we're not going to disconnect in the middle of the, no, we're, okay. we're, 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 we're good. All right. Um, what would you, uh, do, do you have any, uh, horror story deal that you're, you're, uh, that, that you wish you hadn't done or, or, or have you been fortunate enough to, uh, to, to skip the big hairy mess? Um, I would say in terms of a horror stories, I don't really have anything juicy. Um, I can share with you a story that I was part of um, from the legal point of view when I was a lawyer. So I was not the, the investor, um, but my, my um, customers, there was a huge development company back in Israel and they were so used to get the financing that they just started developing, put their own money and just started building, um, you know, offices and, and, um, and, uh, um, multifamily buildings. And so one of those projects are just like that one. And they just started, it was, I think in Eastern Europe, the project was, and it was, um, two identical, um, office buildings, beautiful, beautiful area. And they had very, um, uh, it was a very high end project and, 
they didn't even wait for the bank to approve the financing. They knew it was just a matter of time and they just started, you know, putting their own money and um, started to build it and to build a project. And then um, we just got a weird vibe from the bank because they basically disappeared. And I didn't understand what was happening. And I reached out to them and said, Hey, what's going on? Why, you know, what's, what's happening? Why aren't you finalizing? You know, the, the contract was finalized. They just had, we were just missing their signature. Mm-hmm. And after I think a week or so, when they repeatedly ignored us, they came back to us and said, um, we don't, we're not sure what's happening, but the um, committee is not approving any of the loans right now. So you have to, you know, hold on tight and, and just hang on and, and just we'll get back to you in a few days. And then a few days later, we all heard of what happened. It was kind of overnight. Um, so we, we actually didn't think it would touch our clients, but it did. And um, I, I actually, I think I quit my job at that point. So I'm not sure what happened to the client. Um, yeah, I wasn't the only lawyer, of course. I didn't lift the, my client. <laughs> you you, you didn't I, even hang it. I'm, I'm pretty no, sure. No, 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 no. It was they part had of a little a, more than one lawyer if that's what they were doing. Yeah, it was an entire department where 10, uh, 10 lawyers there just at, at that, um, on my team. So uh, I'm not sure what happened to them. I mean, I know that they're doing just fine today, but they lost a lot of money. So I would say experiencing that in 07 made me extremely cautious about um, the assumptions that I'm making and extremely cautious about financing. And that's why for me, I only go with long-term debt. I only go with an agency loan, which means that it's backed by the government with, um, I, I know exactly what's the interest rate that I'm paying from the first day that I'm taking the loan until the last day when I say goodbye and, and sell the property. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, 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 no building it halfway before you get the banks okay. So. <laughs> no, and, and I'm also not in development, at least not as, as a, an active uh, investor and, and as a syndicator, but no, absolutely not. Um. What, uh, what, what would be your one piece of advice that you would give uh either somebody starting out or just your best piece of advice. What would, what would you say was uh, probably your, your words of your best words of wisdom for somebody who wants to be in syndication? Um, So my, the most important piece of advice that I can give to actually limited partners who want to invest in syndicate in a syndication would be, um, look at the numbers and make and, and do some work, ask questions, look at the, um, I mean, first of all, make sure you don't have refinancing um, as part of the calculations because that's, we, we're not sure if we can do that. And it's, we're not sure if nobody can be sure if it makes sense in a couple of years, what, because if the interest rates are going to be higher then refinancing is not going to be, maybe not going to be a possibility for some um, deals, but, when a deal is presented to you, just know that if the refinancing is included, that increases the returns that you see. So if the syndicator won't be able to do that, then you're going to see very different numbers. Um, so that's why we don't include refinancing. Um, and, uh, and I would say, so, so look at the numbers, refinancing, make sure that the cap rates that the syndicator is assuming on the exit when the property is being sold um, is higher than the cap rate where the 
property is being bought at. And because the lower the cap rate, um, the stronger the real estate market is. So if I buy something at, usually today it's a five cap and cap rate is the, it's basically NOI over the, the purchase price. So if I buy at a five cap and I assume that I'm going to sell it in five years as a, at a five cap, that means that I pretty much say that the market, the real estate market is going to stay as strong in the next five years, which probably not going to be true. Um, and of course, if, if I assume that it's, I'm going to sell it at four and a half percent cap, then it means that I think that the real estate market is actually going to be stronger, which I think that's very un, unlikely. Um, so make sure that, you know, you're, you're also looking at it and understand if someone, if the syndicator buys at a five cap, that he's actually selling at, he's assuming he would be able to sell at five and a half or six cap, which means that the market is not going to be as strong, which is a reasonable assumption. Now, for people who want to start syndicating, um, I would say the number one advice would be don't try to do it all. I have been trying to do that. It's not good. <laughs> it's, it's miserable. It's like, I'm not comparing myself to, to doctors. They're, they're obviously, you know, one of the most sophisticated, you know, sophisticated and smart people out there. But it's like saying, it's like taking a doctor and expecting the doctor to be a neurosurgeon, a dermatologist, and and I don't Heart know, surgeon, um, a podiatrist. It's like everything. You know, they, no, they do so much. Exactly. So just pick the pick the area where you're good at. It could be in acquisitions. It could be in asset management. It could be in underwriting. Usually, someone gravitates towards one of those three um, kind of areas. And try and do that. So all the things you don't know or you don't care about, um, you don't care for, not don't care about, you have to care about, you know, all of them. Oh, but believe me, I understand what you're saying. It's, I care about it, but there are certainly my parts. It's like, look, taking taking a mm -hmm. T12 and a rent roll and their expense sheet, and, you know, filling out a, you, you know, filling it out to, to see. I, I like the numbers at the end. I like, and I love stress <laughs> testing them. But the actual physical part of putting all that stuff into a spreadsheet, I, and there's people out there that like, they're like, they love it. Give me a and that's fine. I and I'm like, look, give me the filled out spreadsheets, what I want. <laughs> but you, but you need to know, you need I to know how to get it. it. Exactly. You need to know enough to look at it and, and ask questions. So I would say all the things you don't like doing or you're not good at either hire or partner. But don't try and do it all because you're a going to make mistakes. Uh, B, you're gonna you're not going to be able to scale fast. It's going to be a very long and painful process. And C, you're not going to enjoy it. And for me, it's it's very important for me to enjoy what I do. Now, of course, I don't enjoy every minute of every you know of of, of every day, but I enjoy most of it. And if I enjoy most of it, that's the most important thing. Oh, well, it, it, if if you don't have something that you don't like, then you don't understand what you do like. You know, you gotta yeah, have a little exactly. bit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A little bit to pull you down, so at least then you understand yeah. the part that you really do like. You know, it's it's yeah. it's it's a trade off. We just like having you know more of more more of the positive stuff and a little bit of the negative stuff. But you still gotta have a little bit of the negative stuff in there, or you don't really realize how well you actually have it. Yeah. So, you know, it's okay at the beginning to try and do everything for a short period of time, just so you can actually experience it and then know, okay, you know what? I'm really good at 
running numbers or I'm really good at raising money. Focus there. That would yeah. be my, my number one advice. Yeah, I, I think everybody should, should, should try a taste of everything. But once you figure out what is your favorite flavor, just, just stick with your favorite flavor and mm -hmm. you know, pull somebody because you know what? There's somebody out there that likes the pieces that you don't. And those, are, those should be your partners. Yeah, that's definitely some very, very good advice for the beginners just to kind of, you know, pick, pick their lane, know their lane and, and just, uh, you know, surround themselves with, you know, those that, uh, you know, we, we all go, you know, you can go faster by yourself, but you go farther with a team. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just, just that, that teamwork mentality. Um, well, uh, it's probably I, I probably want to let you go ahead and get get on with your evening here. But um, what is the best way for the listeners to connect with you? Uh, the best way would be um, to Google Ellie Perlman um, or to go to my website ellieperlman.com uh, and you can read about my story there you um, can actually read my blog with a lot of good advice for passive investors and also you can see information on my website about my podcast um, that I called that really happened unbelievable real estate stories and it's you know about interesting stories from uh, passive investors and, and, and syndicators point of view, um, that they share with others. So that's the best way to find me. Awesome. Awesome. I hope you have a wonderful evening.